0: Hello again, it's Dr. T, and welcome back to Live from 35, the podcast dedicated to keeping our staff at Skodak Internal Medicine and Pediatrics in the loop on the happenings at 35 Empire State Boulevard during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the sixth episode of the Live from 35 podcast. Where did all the time go? Some of you may wonder how the podcast gets put together. So I thought I would spend some time taking you behind the scenes. I will take you back to the weekend of April 4th and 5th. This was the weekend after the last Friday that we were all together. As we got ready to part that Friday, I got some suggestions from some of you on how best to keep those of you on furlough engaged and up to date on the happenings of the practice during the time that you would be away. Although it would have been easy just to send out a group text or a group written message every week, I decided that something more interesting and entertaining might be in order. And thus, the idea for this podcast was born. I knew nothing about making a podcast, though I've listened to plenty of them over the years. I spent that first Saturday doing some research, and I came across the Anchor app, where this podcast is currently housed. You may think that producing this podcast weekly requires a lot of equipment, but really all it requires is my cell phone, a computer so I can read from my notes, a comfortable chair and a quiet place to record, which is usually at home or sometimes in the office during breaks. I usually come up with my ideas for upcoming episodes as I am reading the news or fielding questions from patients. I also appreciate the input some of you have given on things you want to hear about or challenging my creative ability to throw in a random song that might actually fit in with the content of that week's podcast. That's actually pretty fun for me to figure out, and it is always interesting to hear about people's reaction when they realized what has just happened. I start working on the following week's episode a couple of days after the current week's episode is released. Over a period of a couple of days, I have most of the segments recorded. The news from the practice section always gets recorded last because that is the one that changes most from day to day. And so, that's what goes into the podcast. For those of you who enjoy listening to it and find it informative, thank you for listening. Let's get started with the update for the week of May 11th, 2020. First, the celebrity birthdays. May 11th, we celebrate the birthday of the artist Salvador Dali. May 12th is the 92nd birthday of Burt Bacharach, the famous composer. Ving Rhames turns 61. On May 13th, actor Harvey Keitel turns 81, Stephen Colbert turns 55, Robert Pattison turns 34, and the great Stevie Wonder turns 70. On May 14th, director George Lucas turns 76, fellow director Robert Zemeckis, better known for Forrest Gump and Back to the Future, turns 69, and David Byrne turns 68. On May 16th, Pierce Brosnan turns 67 some holidays we celebrate this week. May 11th is National Eat What You Want Day, which unfortunately coincides with National Women's Checkup Day. May 13th is National Apple Pie Day and National Receptionist Day. May 14th is National Decency Day, which clashes with National Dance Like a Chicken Day, which is also celebrated on the same day. May 15th is National Chocolate Chip Day and National Pizza Party Day, May 16th is National Barbecue Day, and National Do Something Good for Your Neighbor Day. Now it's time for some interesting coronavirus-related news. I bet prior to March, many of us had never heard of the term social distancing. I know I hadn't. Despite having its roots in the quarantines of the plague times of the Middle Ages, social distancing as we know it and how we are currently practicing it is a relatively new invention. In the April 22nd issue of the New York Times, journalists Eric Lipton and Jennifer Steinhauer wrote about the interesting birth of social distancing. Involving a cast of characters from President George W. Bush to a couple of federal government doctors and a high school science project, it was a compelling read. The story of social distancing, as we know it, starts in the aftermath of 9 11 and the anthrax scare that followed. In the summer of 2005, President Bush had just finished reading John Barry's book, The Great Influenza, which went on to eventually become one of the definitive works about the Spanish flu outbreak in 1918. Earlier, in 2005, there had been an outbreak of avian flu that spread to humans. Concerned about the possibility of a pandemic, the president asked his advisors to develop a team to look into ways that a pandemic could be fought. One person who was brought in was Dr. Richard Hatchett, an oncologist, and he was soon joined by Dr. Carter Metcher, a critical care physician by training, who was also the physician executive overseeing VA care for the Southeastern United States. These two physicians started to work on finding ways to contain a pandemic should medications and vaccines not work or not be available. It was about this time that they also joined up with Dr. Robert Glass a scientist at the Sandia National Laboratory in New Mexico. Dr. Glass was a specialist in building advanced computer models to explain how complex systems work and what can cause failures in those complex systems. Coincidentally, at around the same time Dr. Glass was recruited to work on the Pandemic Response Committee, his 14-year-old daughter, Laura, had done a class project where she had built a model of the social networks at her Albuquerque high school. He got the idea that he could use some of her work to model how disease might rampage through a hypothetical town of 10,000 people, and what would happen if, for example, you closed the schools in this hypothetical town. He came to the conclusion that only 500 people might get sick if you did this. Dr. Glass used the computers at Sandia to scale up his work and shared his conclusions with Dr. Metcher and Dr. Hatchett, who started to work on guidelines of how far apart people should be in case of a contagion to prevent the spread of illness. Their toughest challenge was to come. They had to figure out how to sell their idea to the government, and they ran against considerable opposition, especially in the form of a Dr. D.A. Henderson, who was the president's top defense consultant. In a reflection of many of the arguments that current opponents have the social distancing, Dr. Henderson worried about the social and economic costs of such a strategy. As it turns out, Dr. Metcher and Hatchett won the argument, and the Bush administration ended up backing the social distancing plan, hoping it would never have to be used. As the COVID-19 pandemic descended upon the U.S. this year, Dr. Metcher found himself at the center of things again, as he was one of the first U.S. public health experts who became alarmed at how the novel coronavirus was spreading through China. He urged that the U.S. needed to be ready He sent his first email about this to a group run by the Chief Medical Officer of the Department of Homeland Security on January 28, 2020, a week after the first confirmed U.S. case of coronavirus was identified in Seattle. Our second news story this week is about dreams. You may have seen a lot of stories recently about people talking about some of the strange and vivid dreams they have been having during the pandemic. Google even reported that searches for the query, why am I having weird dreams lately, quadrupled during the first couple of weeks of April. An article in the New York Times last month tried to explore this topic. One theory is that with everyone's routine disrupted, sleeping and waking times have caused our normal sleep behaviors to become altered. We also face unprecedented disruptions in our waking hours. We have been deprived of the normality of our previous lives and are continuously bombarded by what seems to be bad news on top of bad news. Fear also plays into how sleep gets affected. A sleep expert interviewed in the article had some advice for those of us who wish to gain control back over our dreams, and something called Dream Incubation, Dr. Deidre Barrett of Harvard Medical School describes a technique that might help one accomplish this. She encourages people to choose a category of a dream you would actually like to have, Remind yourself of this at bedtime and try to visualize it as you drift off. If you need help, get a photo or something else that might serve as a reminder to you as you begin to settle down for the night. Keep repeating this thought of what you want to dream about and eventually, she says, you might have a good chance of retaking directorial control back over what you dream about. Let's continue our news segment with one final interesting story I came across this week. We all know that dogs have an acute sense of smell. This special skill is used in many things you might be familiar with, especially in police work, where dogs are used to hunt down fugitives or detect bombs and illegal drugs. In the medical setting, service dogs are in use and can sense when a diabetic might be getting hypoglycemic, or even when a person who suffers from epilepsy is about to have a seizure. In an article from the Washington Post from April 29th, reporter Karen Bruyard writes about a research program being done at the University of Pennsylvania to determine whether canines can use their sense of smell to detect the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. The program is led by Dr. Cynthia Otto, the director of the Working Dog Center at UPenn's School of Veterinary Medicine. Using eight Labrador retrievers, the study aims to train the dogs to first recognize an odor for a food reward. The next step will use urine and saliva samples from patients who have tested positive and negative at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania and also at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia to train the dogs to recognize the difference between the scent given off by those who have and have not contracted COVID-19. The big challenge along with seeing if they can train these dogs to sniff out the virus in humans is finding a way to keep the dogs safe as there have been a couple of case reports of pet dogs being infected with the COVID-19 virus. It'll be interesting to see if this unique harnessing of the sense of smell of canines can be successfully deployed in the fight against a formidable invisible enemy. It's time now for news from the practice. This week, our provider staff will consist of myself, Dr. Leonidas, Dr. Gildersleeve, Dr. Keydort, Mary Shirely, and Patrick, who we welcomed back this past Tuesday. Muchas gracias to him for coordinating our Cinco de Mayo Fiesta at lunchtime, complete with delicious taco bar. Sadly, human resources, regulations, and common sense meant that no margaritas, nor for that matter, Corona beer was served at lunch. A special thank you to Dr. Gildersleeve, who regularly manages to make sure that we are well-fed for breakfast on Fridays, and to Mary Shirely, who provided the staff with a delicious lunch two Fridays ago. Our support staff comprises of Danielle, Chantelle, Mandy, Don, and Nikki, and our nursing staff includes Betsy, Denise Leggett, Christina, and Amanda. Mary Griswold, Denise Coons, and Tanya Johnstone also remain on duty to help with the management of the practice. Dr. Gildersleeve and Dr. Leonidas continue to guide our Practices Moving Forward Safely Task Force. This very important group, which also includes Chantel, Tanya, Nikki, and Denise Leggett, will continue to shepherd our practice carefully and safely into our new normal. They are responsible for developing the workflows that ensure that we can see patients safely in the office, and they will also make sure that we are in compliance with the standards set by our corporate Moving Forward Safely Task Force. This week, we continue to make refinements to the flow of patients through the office to ensure social distancing guidelines and infection control principles are followed to the letter. Patients scheduled for lab appointments now wait in their cars until they are summoned into the building to help control patient flow. As we start this week, we will keep our staff numbers the same to give time for the management to reassess where the practice is financially and also to make sure that the systems we have in place are flexible enough to handle increased patient volume. Remember, if you are on furlough, it is important that you remain prepared to be called back at a moment's notice. There may not be a lot of time between when we call you back to inform you that your furlough is ending and when we expect you back. When you do return, please be aware that some of your job duties or whom you may be working with may be different for a period of time. In times like these, it is imperative that you keep an open mindset and work collectively with your colleagues to ensure the smooth operation of our practice. Some statistics for the week that just passed. We aimed for a target of 25% of our billable visits being in person, and we ended last week at 24%, so good work. We had a total of 491 billable encounters, which is up from 468 encounters last week. 116 appointments were in-person, there were 44 lab visits, and 331 remote visits performed. We will work to continue to see if we can increase our in-person visits to closer to the 50% area, assuming our current workplace safety controls can adapt. It's time for the reminders. If you are returning to work from furlough, please remember that although we try our best to get human resources and IT to unfreeze your email accounts, computer access, and security fobs before you arrive back to work, there can be a delay. On your first day back, you may have to come to the front door to be let in. I also suggest that you arrive a little bit early in case your computer access is still blocked. So we have ample time to contact the help desk to reactivate your login information. Please also remember that our daily staff briefing starts promptly at 740 AM. To comply with our new safety guidelines, please remember that wearing a mask while in the building will be mandatory. As soon as you cross the plane of any of our entry points into 35 Empire State Boulevard, you will be expected to be wearing a mask or other facial covering. You may enter the building with the mask or facial covering that you use outside the office until you are able to access the work-appropriate surgical mask you use for your daily assignment. Do not use the same mask in the office that you use outside of the office, and vice versa. For work purposes, each employee will be assigned one surgical mask a day, and please make sure you use the correct mask size. This mask should be reused unless it becomes soiled or damaged. You may store the masks that you are not using in a paper bag at your workstation, so that you can rotate the mask you wear during the week. When you leave for the day, please change into the mask or facial covering that you use to get into the building, and you must keep this mask on until you physically leave the premises. As part of our infection control protocols, your temperature will be taken every morning and recorded, and if it is out of range, we will be sending you home. Patients and any sanctioned visitors to the building are also subject to the same screening at the front door. If you are feeling ill, please don't come in and let your supervisor know that you will be staying home. In all common areas, especially in the break room where it would be impossible to wear a mask while you are eating, please make sure that you are at least six feet away from your nearest colleague. Unless we are having a meeting, the main conference room can be used as a lunch spot, as well as the Lee Hain Education Room and the staff relaxation room. Please remember to respect social distancing guidelines when you are speaking with your colleagues at all times. With regards to the fitness center, only two people at a time are allowed. If you are alone, you do not need to exercise with a mask, but should a second person show up, both of you are required to wear a mask while exercising. In the fitness center, you may use your non-work mask or facial covering. Please make sure to wipe down the equipment before and after you use it. All stethoscopes should be cleaned in between patients. Any computers taken into exam rooms, as well as devices such as pulse oximeters and EKG machines, should be disinfected between patients. All exam rooms that are used must be completely disinfected between use, and the surfaces in the pod areas should be wiped down as well on a regular basis. Any PPE that is used, including an N95 mask, gloves, face shields, or the yellow protective gowns, must be disposed of properly in the correct receptacle in the backstage hallways. I know I don't need to remind any of you, but please make sure you wash your hands. Keeping all of us and our patients safe is a collective endeavor. It is extremely important that you comply with these guidelines. Our Practices Moving Forward Safely Task Force is entrusted with a testing on a regular basis that we are in compliance with Community Care's company-wide guidelines for safe operation. And the practice is subject to a random spot check at any time failure for us to comply with the guidelines may result in significant penalties and embarrassment for the practice furthermore any employee failure to comply with the guidelines will result in disciplinary action please let's all work together to make sure we follow the rules if you are interested in participating in the encouragement and support group webex sessions that are being held by the community care behavioral health staff Please see the group text that will be sent out with the announcement of this week's Live from 35 episode release. Currently, these are held at noon on Wednesdays and Fridays, and each session lasts for 45 minutes and is led by Dr. Stone, the director of the Behavioral Health Program. Remember that you are welcome to listen to the WebEx talks that Dr. Musto gives on Monday and Thursday nights at 530. Again, please consult the login information that I will send out on the group text announcing the release of this week's podcast. At this time, the executive order issued by Governor Cuomo that requires the wearing of a facial covering when in public, when social distancing of greater than six feet cannot be maintained, is still in force. As stated earlier, please do not use the surgical mask you use during your workday outside of the office. Please limit your trips out of the house to only those trips that are essential and remember to continue practicing social distancing outside of work. Well, we've come again to the end of this week's edition of Live from 35. If you have anything that you want addressed or announced on next week's edition, please let me know. Until next week, stay safe, stay well, and take care of yourself, and look out for those who may need help. And to take us into next week, we ended with another uplifting song that I am sure all of you are familiar with and needs no introduction. Catch you next week on Live from 35.